I want to begin by offering something of a state of the church address. Uh, there's so many things happening right now at Restoration Church uh, behind the scenes that I want you to be aware of, if nothing else, to be praying. Now, many of you are aware that we are a two-and-a-half-year-old church plant out of Grace Point in Newtown. Uh, they had a vision to reach this region with the gospel, and so they called Emily, uh, myself, and at the time our two children out east from Minnesota to be the church planters. Now you need to know that God's hand was all over this from the very beginning. You know, this is a story that Emily and I have shared uh, in the past, and we'll absolutely share it again. It's too good of a story not to share. God's hand has been over so many of the details uh, from the beginning, literally from the, the very first call that Emily and I had, all the way out to when we came out here and began planning this church, to getting this building, to this location, uh, to the people who joined us. God's hand has been over this from the beginning. And so it's really exciting uh, to be part of God's work in this area. And one of the incredible things that Grace Point did, uh, other than giving us roughly 80 people, uh, by the way, 40 of those people are still with us today, three years later, which is really cool. One of the really cool things that Grace Point did was that they raised $250,000 to get us started. Incredible. But come July 1st, that money will be gone, and we will officially stand on our own, meaning that we will have our own budget, we will have our own leadership, we will be officially independent from Grace Point in the eyes of the state. Uh, we're going to have our own membership process uh, and exist fully functioning without the assistance of Grace Point. And although this is really exciting and absolutely this needs to happen, becoming an independent church leaves us with a lot to accomplish. One of the things we need to accomplish is to develop that membership process, or the word that we prefer here is partnership process. Uh, if you've been around since September, you may remember that we discussed what membership or partnership will one day look like here at Restoration Church. You know, many of you made actual commitments to the eventual process, and this fall, our pro- partnership process will begin in earnest. You can become official partners of Restoration Church this fall. How exciting and cool is that? You can actually become an official partner of Restoration Church this fall, and we're going to have a lot more details throughout the summer explaining how that process is going to work and and what it will require of you in order to actually go through that. So stay tuned this summer as we talk about that uh, for the fall. Another thing that is uh, exciting uh, that we made some tweaks to uh, recently is the way that we do outreach, in particular the way we do our fourth annual trunk retreat coming up in October. And also, we do our Easter extravaganza. These two outreaches in particular, we're making some very intentional, intentional changes to the focus of these two outreaches. You see, in the past, uh, primarily with these two again, we've welcomed literally everybody that is willing to come and, and make the effort to come to these. And so we've opened our doors very wide to the world. And if you were here for Easter, you know that we opened them probably a little too wide. It was so crazy and so chaotic. We had thousands you know, 2,000 people uh, crammed into our little space, and it just became overwhelming and, and, uh, and stressful and a lot of <laughs> anxiety-inducing, and it was just a really, really sweet event, but there were just too many people. We welcomed so many people, and it was hard to navigate the craziness of these events, and, and Trunk or Treat was very similar this past October. You know, we did this because as a new church, we wanted as many people as possible to experience what we were offering and to get to know us and to get our name known within our community. But the, the thing is, we've done that. You know, we've done that. People know who we are now. Our community is aware of who we are. We're not a baby church any longer. We've accomplished that. And so from here on out, for these two outreaches in particular, they will be open to you guys. 
They're going to be events for you and your family and your friends and the people that you care about and the people that you want to bring into this family and the people that you want to share this very crucial component of your life with your faith in Jesus Christ with. They're for you and those people you want to invite your family and your friends and your coworkers. They're going to be far more intimate experiences for those people, for you and those people. You're going to have better conversations about them. The, the, the information they get while they are here, you're going to have better conversations. It's going to be a, uh, an opportunity for you to invite them so that hopefully in, in future weeks beyond these, you can invite them back into this space on a Sunday morning to hear the gospel being preached. And so we're making some very subtle changes, but these changes make all of the difference in regards to these two outreaches. Moving on, one of the huge things that we have been working on, one of the major developments is the, uh, is the development and the meeting of our annual budget. And so our executive team, who by the way is made up of Brian Hughes and Tim McClear and Dave Lewis and myself, we've already determined what our budget is going to be and now we need to meet it. And so our general offering budget for next year is set to be $207,000. Now this year we are on pace to bring in just about $200,000. So we are believing and trusting that this growth of 3.5% is very doable and very appropriate. Uh, This is so wonderful, by the way. So many churches would dream of being in this scenario where they're actually on pace to meet their budget. Uh, that they have enough people who are generous and caring for the ministry that is happening within their context, that they're giving generously and sacrificially for the meeting of their budget. This is a dream scenario we're in. And so thank you, thank you, thank you for all of you who give. This is so wonderful. But the challenge of breaking even with the budget is that we could never grow our staff or our ministry. But here's the thing, we are growing. Since October, our average attendance has increased nearly 50 people. And so in September, we are planning on going back to two services. I'll get uh, to that in just a minute. Uh, Because there is no room in our kids' ministry any longer, or really in our sanctuary. And with this incredible growth, which is really exciting and really wonderful, uh, we're at a point where we need another pastoral staff to help care for this congregation and disciple this congregation to help and care and disciple you guys. Because we are reaching a point where you are falling through the cracks. And though I hate to say that, and I'm being honest with you, I want to be vulnerable. You are falling through the cracks, and I'm feeling it, and you're feeling it. I look out, and I don't even recognize half of the people who are here any longer. And I have no idea if you're connected. I have no idea if you're cared for, because I cannot wrap my time and my energy and my care and my attention around 250 people. It's just impossible to do. And so I'm starting to finally realize why all these, these uh, church planting books are saying that there's a plateau around 200 people, because there is just... No way that one person can can manage and care for and disciple 200 people or 250 people. And so I get what they're saying. It's really hard. And so we need more people to come around and to help disciple and to care if we are going to continue to grow. And not only grow in numbers, but grow into the people that God has called us to be. And so in order to do that, we need to increase our ministry budget enough to provide a, a salary and and. And, uh, and basic benefits uh, for another staff member. And we are the ones who do that. It's through our sacrifice and our giving that do this and our generosity. We are the ones who partner with God to accomplish his work. But here's what's so fascinating about Restoration Church and our situation. And you need to know I have that I have, I have no idea what any of you make, nor do I know what any of you give to this church. I don't have access to any of that information. I merely received very generic details from our volunteer, not paid, a bookkeeper. So here's the thing. There are 76 households that have given to God's cause here in 2016, so since January 1st. 
35 of those households give regularly. In other words, there are 41 households who do not have a plan to give to God's cause here at Restoration Church, but they do it sporadically and spontaneously. Whenever the Spirit is moving or whenever they have a little extra at the end of the month, they give. It's sporadic giving. Notice with me that the households that have a plan to give have, uh, and give regularly give an average of $370 a month, which is five times more than those who give sporadically, which is roughly $70 a month. And so you know who you are, and you know where you fall on this. And the first thing that I want to say is thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please, this is so sincere when I say thank you. Thank you for how you have given and how you have sacrificed the cause of God and Christ at Restoration Church. But here's the thing. If you want to be generous, you need to have a plan to be generous. If you want to be generous, you need to have a plan to be generous. But also notice, and this is just guessing at numbers on my part, that the average regular giving household gives roughly 5% of their income to the church, whereas those who give sporadically give 0.5 or half a percent. Generosity requires a plan. So just imagine with me for a moment, if, if all 76 households, and let's actually bump that number up to 95 households, because that's actually about how many households uh, call Restoration Church home. If 95 households gave 10%, and you know, you might be thinking, that's absurd, Ross, you are, you're crazy, that is absurd, but let's use that as a starting point. 10%, if, if 95 households gave 10%, we would have an annual giving of $741,000. And again, this is just guesswork on my part, but $741,000. If every household gave 5%, that would be $371,000. And maybe you can't even fathom how much money that would be for you, so let me, let me help you out. You know, if you make a household, <clears throat> as a household or as an individual, 12000 a year, so you know, maybe you're a student or a college student and, uh, or you're out of work and you're receiving unemployment, if you make $12,000 a year, then 10% is $100 a month. 5% is $50 a month. Say you make $36,000 as a household. 10% is $300 a month, where 5% is $150 a month. You know, say you make $70,000 or $120,000. <coughs> excuse me. $70,000 a year as a household. 10% would be $580 a month. 5% is 290 $120,000 a year, that's like a crazy amount of money uh, we think about. 10% is $1,000 a month. 5% is $500 a month. Now, some of you are thinking, Ross, you are crazy. That is so much money. But before I review the hopeful, encouraging part, let me share with you what is truly crazy. What, let me share with you what is truly crazy about this world and this financial world that we live in. According to a recent study, the average American household has just over $15,000 in credit card debt. With an APR of 18%, the average household pays $225 in interest alone on that debt each month. That is craziness, my friends. Beyond that, the average household throws away $2,000 of food each year. The reason is because we buy food that goes bad before we eat it. And, and why? Well, because on top of buying food from the grocery store shelves, we also spontaneously eat out all the time. So we're driving home from baseball practice, and our kids are, are screaming at us in the backyard, uh, backyard in the backseat that they're starving and they're hungry. And, and we know we just went shopping. We spent $150 on food yesterday. We know that we have cupboards full of food. And we know that we have fr- refrigerators full of food. And yet our kids are like, I'm starving, I'm starving, I'm starving. And so to... to, to uh, Tell them to, you know, shut up. We basically stuff their their face full of McDonald's and other types of fast food. 
And so we know we spent the money on food yesterday, but we're going to spend the money again on food today. And so we as a nation spent $117 billion, that's with a B, my friends, billion dollars on fast food each year. And on top of that, $700 million on soda. Beyond that, we wasted $7 billion on ATM fees. I contributed about 12, uh, 12 of those $7 billion, 12, $12 of those $7 billion on ATM fees. We spent $240 billion at casinos and on lottery tickets, wasted money that went to, uh, to hopeful and, and trying to pad our pocketbooks even more by spending money trying to win that uh, you know, $350 million jackpot. The average American spends $1,100 annually on coffee, and that's $3 a day. <clears throat> and lastly, we threw away last year as a nation $443 billion on energy. And so that's lights being left on and, and little you know, drips coming from our faucets and our children. And, and uh, okay, I admit myself taking extra long hot showers. But my friends, this is crazy. This is crazy. The amount of money that we waste every single day. This is crazy. Now, the reason I tell you this is that we all make choices. Every single day we make choices with our finances. And if we do not have a plan that is disciplined and controlled as to where our money will go, then it will go to our consumption first. And we're going to think, oh, you know, it's no big deal. I'll just pay the $4 ATM fee. And, you know, I'm, I'm too hungry to wait. <coughs> I'm too hungry to wait until I get home to eat. Even though I have a, a fridge full of food and a cupboard full of food, I'm just going to drive through the drive through Again, because I'm just too hungry and, you know, it's okay if, if I don't have enough money at the end of the month and I'm just going to put all my expenses on the credit card. It's okay. My friends, that is crazy talk. That is a warped and twisted mentality driven by this consumption assumption, this idea that because it has come to me, it must be for me. This is the American way. This is the American mentality. Because it has come to me, then it must be for me. And Jesus says, the reason you believe this, that it, the, this consumption assumption, that because it's come to me, it must be for me, the reason you believe this is because you have put your trust in your riches rather than the one who richly provides. And if you want to find freedom and happiness and become rightly human, then you must begin to give generously. And when you invest your resources into God's interests, then God will invest in you. If you invest in God's interests, God will invest in you. And so being generous requires a plan to be generous. And it may mean that you have to learn discipline and self-control, and it may mean that you'll have to make some very intentional choices to begin living within your means. But think of what we as a church could do if everyone committed to God's work here and made a plan to be generous. We could hire another pastor to care and disciple. That would be so easy. We could, we could completely care and disciple every single person because we have the, the capacity to do that. And you would all be connected if you're willing and wanting to be connected and willing and wanting to be discipled. You could be discipled and you could be connected. You could be cared for. We could completely fund a treehouse, the ministry for youth that serves out of Restoration Church. We could allow Josh, uh, the leader of Treehouse, and his entire volunteer staff to be fully invested in reaching and discipling hurting youth in our area because they do not have to worry about the financial component of their ministry. We could build out new space in a different building. We could, we could include a, a coffee shop for all you, you know, $1,100 a year coffee drinkers out there because, you know, let's, let, let's face it, one of the really 
important things that uh, Levittown in this area lacks and desperately needs is a really good coffee shop, a down-to-earth, down to rustic coffee shop where, where intimate conversations can take place and the transformative love of God can be known and, and this space could be open to the public and they could actually be drawn into this space to have conversations and life-transforming conversations with people who they care about and intimacy could be known within this context and God could be known and other people could be known within the context. And within the space, we could, we could have an indoor play facility where our space is a natural draw for our community because, you know, we already have this reputation for our outreaches where thousands of people are drawn to us where people are drawn to what God is doing here. So what would happen? What would happen if people were drawn here or drawn to our space and to our context and to Restoration Church every single day and not just two days out of the year where we do these outreaches, but every single day God, people were drawn to what God is doing here. And in addition, the, the space could actually help us become self-sufficient it's because uh, it, it would produce its own resources and, and our giving then could go to ministry and to mission needs rather than brick and mortar. That would be incredible. That would be incredible. And with that kind of money, we could liberate entire villages, not just single families from poverty in Jesus' name, but we could liberate entire villages from poverty in Jesus' name. We could build orphanages and homeless shelters right in our communities and throughout the world. And not only would Levittown experience change, but communities throughout the world would experience change because of the transformative love of God given sacrificially through our resources. And so here's my challenge to you. My challenge to you is to pray. That's all I'm asking you to do is to pray about how you might invest in God's kingdom here and rise up. And if you are not doing so already, get God involved in your finances by contributing to his kingdom causes. Because if you sow into God, then God will sow into you. And so here's the thing. Being generous requires a plan to be generous. And here's the helpful and here's the encouraging part. And when you sow generously, you will reap generously so that you can be even more generous. And so, all right, you, you, you get the point. Pray about, God, how, about how God is calling you to participate in his kingdom work here at a Restoration Church. And if you'd like to be refreshed on some of these principles, I'd strongly encourage you to go back and listen to the series from our webpage or subscribe to our podcast. Listen to the stretching series. Learn how we can be more generous people, happier people, more of the people that God has created us and intended us to be. I'm going to move beyond. We are also talking about not only getting involved with your budget, but participating in God's kingdom work here through becoming a servant leader at Restoration Church. And so many of you are already doing this, and I want to thank you for how you're already contributing to God's work here through serving. But so many of you also begun coming in the last six months, and you haven't really begun to plug in through serving. And so I would strongly encourage you to do this. Some of you may be aware that most churches, unfortunately, function off of a 2080 rule where 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. And our hope and our goal from the beginning was to flip this upside down and have 80% of servant leader participation. And so if you call Restoration Church home, if this is where you want to be on Sunday mornings, if this is the body you want to invest in, and you want to be active partner in helping God accomplish our mission, helping us accomplish God's mission here, then get serving. Serving is a great way to do this, but it's also a great way to begin meeting people and getting connected. Some of you maybe remember that this past fall we went to two services because uh, we finished out our basement and we increased our children's ministry space downstairs. Uh, so we were able to, uh, to, to have more children uh, during one service. 
Um, but we also then added 30 chairs to our sanctuary, so we were able actually to go back to one service. Well, this fall we are planning uh, in September to go back to two services because we're now at a point where we're, uh, we're running out of space again. Our average attendance actually on a Sunday is 225 people, and that means that 80% of this space is 160 people. And that is what we consider full, by the way. And so, uh, sure, there may be open seats, but cramming people into a room hinders growth. And so if there's a newcomer walking in the door and they see that there's only a couple sporadic chairs and they can't even sit with the people they came with, they're not going to want to stay. They're going to turn around and come back. And so we need to keep a, a, a margin of openness within our space. So 80% is considered full. And so take that 225 people, minus the roughly 50 kids we have on average each week, minus the 17 servant leaders working in our kids' ministry, and we are averaging 150. 58 people each week in our sanctuary. And so two services are needed, but this leaves us with some challenges. For one, we are asking for an additional 10 kids volunteers. But you know what's great about two services? You can actually serve on a Sunday without missing being here worshiping and learning. And so you can serve in our kids' ministry, and you can actually sit and serve uh, you can actually sit and, and listen to the message and worship alongside the fellow believers on the same Sunday morning. You don't have to sacrifice one for the other. You can sit and you can serve, and you can sit and you can serve. You can sit you can serve all on the same Sunday morning. And if all of our leaders serving our kids committed to doing this twice a month, we'd have every slot completely filled. And, and my friends, the kids are our future, the, the, the kids are something to invest in. Not only do we have this vibrant and exciting kids ministry downstairs that you get to be a part of, and you actually get to learn alongside them and worship alongside them and grow them, but they are an investment into our future. The kids ministry is so exciting for so many reasons, but the kids are not only our future, they are our present, and we must invest into them. Because if we invest into our kids, then we are investing into the community as a whole. If we're investing into making a vibrant kids' ministry where, where adult disciples are loving on kids and discipling them and raising them up to love Jesus, then we are going to transform our community. We're going to transform our elementary schools. We're going to make servant leaders out of our children. We're going to have such an incredible impact within our community. And so I'm not just saying that, hey, we have this need to fill. That's, that's absolutely true. We do need more kids' leaders. But we have an opportunity to love on kids, to raise them up into the next generation of leaders and this generation of leaders. And so it is something excited to get involved in. And so if you're not currently serving in our kids' ministry, I encourage you to pray about doing it. <laughs> the reality is there, there are a lot of roles that don't even require you to be with kids. And so uh, you don't have to teach. You don't have to know a ton about the Bible. Some roles are just checking in or holding babies. And so I would encourage you guys, if you are not currently serving with our kids' ministry, get involved and see what's happening down there. See how little lives are being changed and becoming kingdom advocates right here within our midst. In your bulletin, there is a blue card indicating various service roles here at RC. Uh, if you've been coming for a while now and are not, uh, and you are, I'm sorry, ready to participate with us in God's mission through serving, then fill out that blue card, put it in the plate as it passes in just a few minutes. A couple of things I want to draw your attention to this summer. This summer, we were offering a lot of opportunities to simply connect and to get to know some other people. And so next week, for instance, we're providing snow cones after the service. And this is just a simple way to, to encourage mingling afterwards and just to hang out and, and meet some people that you don't already know and to rub shoulders and to hear other people's stories and enjoy a, a snow cone uh, in the process. And then the week after that, on the 12th, we're having a church-wide picnic. Uh, on June 26th, for instance, we're having a bounce house and a dunk tank. It's just simple ways to provide intentional mingling time for you to get connected, to get to know other people. Because 
Come this fall, we are launching our community groups, our, our growth groups, intentional uh, communities and contexts for you to get involved and invested with other families and with other individuals and with other people to, to get into the Word together and learn each other's stories and to begin to disciple one another and, and sharpen each other. Um, these are going to be so exciting. We're already training up our first uh, generation of leaders uh, to lead these. And so come fall, we're going to have a whole slew of groups, community groups for you to invest in. And right now, I want you to begin praying about what your involvement might look like in a community group or a growth group this fall. And be on the lookout for more information this summer. The last thing I want to draw your attention to, uh, that is of significance anyway, is that the weekly bulletin has been given roughly four weeks to live. Meaning that after July 1st, it won't be around any longer. And so the bulletin is really meaningful in that it conveys a lot of important information and allows you the opportunity to sign up for things. But the reality is it's also very expensive. And in this day and age, there are much cheaper, more efficient, more convenient ways to get you the information that you need. And so there's a couple of things that we already do. Uh, if you don't already get our weekly emails, I would encourage you to sign up for them on our website. If you think that you've signed up for them in the past, but you don't uh, currently get them, I would encourage you to check your spam folder. That email is basically conveying everything that this bulletin already does. And so there's already some redundancy built into the bulletin. But the second is that this information is not going away just the medium. And so the paper copy is just going away. But come July 1, all of this information and the opportunity to sign up and the opportunity connected uh, and a whole host of other opportunities that this bulletin doesn't provide you will all be accessible through our new Restoration Church app. And so we're going to tell you a lot more information about this over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and so get excited for that come July 1. We're going to be unveiling that. And so here's the thing. If you know people who are not here this morning, I'd encourage you uh, to have them listen to this recap um, online. And so send this uh, information their way if you think people would be interested in learning a few things about what's happening at Restoration Church this summer and this fall.